Yes. Good people, this is Lou from the BX, host of the Everything Podcast, and you are now tuned in to the Delvin Cox Experience, hosted by the man himself, Delvin Cox. Miami podcasting at its finest. 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 Welcome to the Delvin Cox Experience, the podcast in which each week I am on a one-man mission to unite our culture through diversity. I'm your host, Delvin Cox, and with me this week on the podcast is a special guest, somebody who's never been on the show before. Let them know who you are, brother. Thanks, Delvin, for having me on. My name is Frank. I'm the host of the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. I discuss and review movies new and old, so I'm excited to be on. I appreciate the invite. No problem, brother. No problem at all. And as always... I like to start the podcast off with the five for five. Five questions, five asks to get the ball rolling. Frank, are you ready? I'm ready. Question number one, Frank. Which was a better movie? The Batman or Spider-Man No Way Home? Oh, that's a great question to knock it off with. I just rewatched Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm going to have to go with Spider-Man No Way Home. I love the Batman. I love what they did with it, but uh, Spider-Man was a perfect melding of uh, whatever Spider-Man movie you were a fan of, all the way going back to the original Tobey Maguire. Uh, it just was handled beautifully. I just thought everything about the movie was fun. It was exciting. Uh, that there was high stakes in the movie, and it just uh, it was it was a perfect movie for me as far as a superhero movie is concerned. Okay, I like that answer. I like that answer a lot. Okay, question number two: What is the best album? Or songs you listened to in the past year, and it does not have to be new. Ooh, best album. I'm gonna go new just because I always go with 80s stuff. I love the Silk Sonic album, actually. I just That's a really good album. A couple of weeks yeah, I listened to it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I'm a I'm a fan of Bruno Mars, and I read actually read a great review of the album that I just popped it on my Spotify and loved it. I, I've listened to it probably for three weeks straight. Love everything about it. It's just it's a retro, funky R&B. It's just all of that mixed in. It's great. I love it. Yeah, and it's not that long. It's a short no, album. Yeah. It I, is. It is. It's a good car ride list, too. I, I like it a lot. Yeah. I agree. That's exactly what I do in the car. It's perfect for the car. Absolutely. Question number three What is the dumbest thing you've ever done as a kid? Oh, my goodness. Dumbest thing I've ever done. Don't say well, anything that will get you arrested. <laughs> like, no, no, no. Nah, I, I was I, I was a square, so I didn't really do anything that bad. But I, I have to say teenager, when I was little, I can't think of anything dumb. When I was a teenager, uh, when I first started driving, uh, I wanted to go see a movie, and it was pouring rain. And I made a decision to start driving my car when there was like five, six inches of rain. And predictably, against my father's wishes, I ended up getting the car flooded out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Knowing that, that it was, that'll yeah, do it. Because I, just, because I just had to go, because I knew better. Because I was a teenager. Do you remember what movie it was? 
Oh, you know what? I don't. I don't. I don't remember because it's a long time ago. I'm my, I'll show my age. I don't even remember. Probably wasn't even worth driving to see. I could probably. That's what you I was that. trying to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not worth it. <laughs> All right. Question number four. Give me your top five favorite directors. Ooh, I thought you were going to hit me with movies because I was ready. But directors, um, I'm going to go Martin Scorsese, Orson Welles, Spike Lee. Oh, those are um, so far. John Sayles, and the fifth one, Steven Spielberg. Those are a good five. Very diverse five, too. Yeah, that's what I like. I like my, my, my movie choices, like my music. I, I like to be diverse and... And, uh, you know, people ask me about the five movies. Like I said, when I pick a top five, it's not maybe the top five best movies or top five directors, just the top five that impacted me as a movie fan. That's how I usually uh, go by my list. I like it. I like it a lot. Okay. Question number five for the five for five. Zombie apocalypse happens, Walking Dead style. You can only take five things to go out in the world to survive. Family and pet don't count. They, they automatically go with you. Unless you don't want them to go with you, then they die. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> of course I want them to go with me. Of course. Yeah, of course. Yes, okay. <laughs> so you're in good shape. So what yeah. are the five things you're taking with you? Man, that's a good one. Because I was thinking zombie apocalypse. I, I wish I could say I was super macho and would be would survive. But if I had to take some, I don't have a weapon. So I'd probably try to get a weapon. Uh, I guess water. Okay, water? Oh, there's no oh. like water. Yeah. I don't know if there's electricity, so I, something I, I, portable. I, I will add this caveat. It's the first days of The Walking Dead, okay. so there's still power technically, but you're, you're trying oh, to make okay. it so you can survive to the, for the long run, so keep that in oh, mind. Oh, man. All right, all right. Man, I'm trying to say I watched the first couple seasons of The Walking Dead, so I could use that for advice, but uh, definitely... That's all you need. Um, you don't need to watch that's all you need. <laughs> I mean, Yeah, no, I agree. I stopped watching it a long time ago. I know people are still in. I give them credit, but I had a bail. Um... That's tough, man. Oof. Definitely a weapon because of you, if you know the zombie apocalypse, I mean, you can look at what's happening here just without an apocalypse. People get crazy when things yeah. go down. So uh, just somewhere to protect myself. I probably, the most thing is I would probably go to a place where I could protect myself, uh, a place if I can't stay home anymore, go to a place if there's still electricity that you can uh, barricade yourself in and hopefully there's things that you need, food, supplies, things like that. And then, like I said, a weapon to defend yourself, unfortunately, because it looks like, it, you know, things are going to jump off crazy. That makes sense. You still got some more things to pick out. You got five. You, I think you picked All two right, so see. far. Let's see. Um, you got a weapon. You got water. Got water. I would probably get a radio because uh, either a high-powered radio or a satellite phone, something where I could communicate because if there's still communication, you hope you would link up with other people like you. So that's the third thing I would have. Um, okay. I like that. Let's see. Four. Let's see. Man, this is how unprepared I am for the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Uh I guess a couple of change of clothes because I, I saw the Walking Dead people. They have the same clothes on. So at yeah. least one change of clothes. Yes, that's and some, and some underwear. So I guess that's four. And then uh, five would be, man, I don't know what number five would be. A car. A car's a good one, yeah. Gas. Yeah, I'll take the car because at least I can get somewhere, hopefully somewhere safe. Yeah, wherever that, that makes may sense. Be. Yeah, that, yep. that makes sense. So for those who don't know, tell us a little bit about yourself and your podcast. Yeah, I appreciate that. So uh, I started the podcast four years ago. So uh, the the podcast evolved. So when I first started, I was talking about the three subjects that I was passionate about, which was sports, politics, and movies. And about a year ago, uh, I made a decision just to focus on movies. One, because politics is so 
bad right now, even though I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about it. It's just not something I wanted to engage in my podcast anymore because it's so rancorous and negative. I just, that's not what I wanted to do. And the original reason I started the podcast was, you know, I was struggling at work and I, it was something to do that I loved. So I focused it on movies for the last year and it's been fantastic because uh, it's been growing the audience and, and I love talking about movies and I love hearing people tell me about their favorite movies. And the, and the coolest thing is if I can bring a movie a, a small movie that people have never heard of and get them to watch it. That's one of my favorite things where people go, Hey, thanks for recommending that. I would have never watched it. So that's, that's my passion. And I love talking movies. So that's why I, I do the podcast and I love, I love doing it. That's an interesting transition in terms of, I was doing a podcast about sports, politics, and movies. And you drop the sports and the politics. Yep. And you stuck with the movies. I, I kind of like the idea of that because if there's one thing that kind of you can unite people together is movies. Like we we yeah. can argue about sports teams. We yep. can argue. We definitely can argue about politics all day. Right. <laughs> but yep. even if it's a movie we don't like, we can we tend to have constructive conversations about it. We can always talk about another movie and things like that. It's always the you always generally speaking like if it's a a genuinely good person, you can have a good conversation about movies with almost anybody. Oh, I agree. I think it's a universal thing. And I think, like I said, especially uh, on a movie, especially when you disagree with somebody on a movie, that's almost the fun conversations anyway, because uh, it's like anything else. You can have a good, lively debate about what you like about a movie, what you don't like about a movie. And and it doesn't have to be someone like for me, uh, I'm a movie buff, but I'm not a movie snob. You know, I may say, you know, I may like, you know, I say Martin Scorsese or the, or the five that I told you earlier. But I'll, I'll, I'm down for a Transformers movie. I'm down for a Marvel movie. So I just love movies that entertain me. And it could be a highbrow art film or it could be a superhero movie. It doesn't matter to me. As long as the movie's entertaining, I'm, I'm good with it. And, and, and that's what I love. I want to talk to people of all that either kind of like movies or all the way to love. That's what I hope my podcast attracts any kind of – you don't have to be a super movie buff to enjoy my podcast. So what got – well, one, what got you into podcasting first and foremost? Great cool. Yeah, great question. So actually a few years, several years back, I had started a podcast where I was actually just doing movie reviews. It was Critic from the Couch and I did it for about a year and then it kind of, I just kind of let it go. And then there was a four or five year break. And like I said, around 2018, um, like I said, I was struggling at work, just not having a good time. Just things were bothering me. And I was like, you know what, I think I'm going to relaunch this podcast because it was something that I did enjoy doing. And I wanted to get, I wanted to have a, a hobby, something that I really enjoyed, was looking forward to. And and like I said, I'm about to hit the fourth year of it. And I'm so happy that I did it because it's been such a therapeutic thing for me uh, because I, I remember I love talking movies. That's that's what I've loved to do since I was a little kid. I was a movie nerd from the time I was eight, nine years old. And and doing the podcast has really been good for me. Uh, so the fact that people actually listen is just a bonus. It's it's fantastic. And and that's why I really started. It, and that's why I got into podcasting. because It was something that was easy to do and allowed me a, a creative outlet. Because I'm not, I can't paint. I'm not a singer. I'm not a, you know, I, I don't need have any of that kind of talent. But at least there was something creatively that I could do. Uh, speaking, uh, you know, about movies is what, it was something that I enjoy. So that's why I really got into it. So, what was the first movie that you kind of fell in love with that made you realize your passion for movies? Do you remember what was the first movie that you like? Yeah, this is why I love movies. Yeah. Oh, I love this question because I definitely do. Because I always, on my podcast, I talk about the five, the top five movies that made me love movies. So the first movie I saw was, uh, that really made me love movies was uh, was Superman 1978. Okay. Um, Christopher Reeve, the original Superman film. I was a little kid. I was I was eight when it came out. And uh, it just transported me to a place, uh, which is the beautiful thing about movies. It took me to a place that uh, seemed real, but wasn't real. 
and it just from the John Williams music to the beginning of the movie through all the way, it just made me fall in love with movies. So that's that's the first film that really just made me enjoy, love, love the movie going experience. So it was definitely Superman 78. Let me ask you this, because I, I think you brought up something really interesting here with that movie. Yeah. What that movie was doing was unprecedented for movies in terms of like how the whole byline for it was you will see a man flying things like that. Yeah. And it was kind of revolutionary to see that in films and pretty cool to say the least. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I agree. Do you think we'll ever get moments like that in films? Because we, we've advanced so long, so much with cinema nowadays. It feels like even like a couple of years ago at Endgame, where we got yeah. all those characters from the, all those different movies in one big giant battle. That kind of really felt like the last type of thing we'd see. Some, maybe you probably, I guess you can give it the No Way Home too. But that's still yeah. similar to Endgame. But do you sure. think we'll ever get moments like that in movies where we haven't seen something, we, where we'll get something that we haven't seen before? Did that just kind of revolutionize movies? That's a great question. You know, it's funny you say that because, I mean, uh, being a movie fan for as long as I have since I've been a little kid, and, and it's crazy because I think movies, I think movies like a lot of things go in cycles. So I think you get, because uh, I know a lot of people are not a fan of the superhero, especially the more highbrow movie people are, are critical of Marvel films. I disagree with them completely. Uh, I, I do think the one criticism I think is valid, which concerns me, is I'm a fan of of middle budget adult dramas, you know, whether it's thrillers or mysteries or, or comedies that sometimes get lost in the shuffle because the big movies are the only ones that get all the attention. So I do think there's a legitimate concern there. But as far as whether we'll see something ever revolutionary, I guess the easy answer would be no, but then something always happens that blows our mind. I mean, I could go back to like 99, like I take a movie like The Matrix. Like, you know, there's they took Kung Fu and science fiction and kind of a, a trippy type of movie and just made something completely original. Uh, so I think as long as there's filmmakers that are out there that are that are looking to push the boundaries of things, I think we'll always have that. Now, it, you know, everybody's opinion of that is relative, but I think, uh, and that's what makes me love movies because there is sometimes, you know, sometimes it's hard, especially when you watch movies all the time to be surprised by things, but that's some of the best things about watching movies. I think it does happen. I think it always will be revolutionary. You said Endgame, which is, Something, you know, that's that's basically the 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 culmination of 20, 25 movies. And then you would think, oh, nothing's ever going to top that. And then you see a movie like No Way Home that kind of revisits that revisits it in a different way. And like I said, was just as enjoyable. So I, I'm always hopeful that there's always things that are going to be new. But I get what you're saying, uh, especially with the CGI and stuff and comparing it back to the original Superman. Uh, are we going to see something that we've never seen before? I, I think so. I don't know what that's going to be. But there's always some film, filmmaker out there that's got a different way to tell the story because every story's been told. That's the thing. Whether it's music, every every note's been played, every song's been done. But every year we'll see a new album from somebody like, oh my god, that blew me away, or a movie. So I think movies are the same way. I think there'll always be people that are pushing the envelope and that are revolutionary. What do you think of this whole craze now, in terms of like, you got your Netflix? You got your HBO Maxes. Everybody has a streaming service now. I know that the argument is that it takes away from the cinema, have that home experience, but which one do you prefer? Do you prefer going to the theaters or you prefer the at-home experience with your popcorn and stuff like that? Yeah, and let me tell you, Devin, this question is an excellent question because I, I wrestle with this a lot. I can tell you easily I'm, I'm a fan of the movie-going experience in the theater. That's, that's how I always love going to, to the movies. 
Uh, so I'm really conflicted about streaming because uh, with the pandemic and with me having two small children, the thing that's been great about streaming is that it's allowed me to see a lot more films that I could review for the podcast that I would not otherwise ever have a chance to go. I don't get to go to the movies as much as I'd like. And uh, the streaming has given me a unique opportunity to do that. But that being said, I always want the theatrical experience to be there. Uh, and again, to my previous point about the movies that end up in the big theaters, it's always, you know, the Marvel movies, the DC films, big temple pictures, Fast and Furious, things like that. So I think what's getting lost in the shuffle is kind of that mid-range, like I said, movie for adults that you would take a, a your wife to or a date to. That's not a popcorn movie per se, uh, but those end up going to streaming. That's where it seems like that's the home. So I think for me, the value of streaming is for those type of movies to get an audience. Uh, so I'm, I think there is some value there, but I will always prefer the theatrical experience and hope that it doesn't ever go away. Well, I le- I've learned, at least in the time during the pandemic, when they were releasing all those movies, like HBO Max was heavy on that, when they were like, hey, you're going to get Wonder Woman 84, you're going to get Mortal Kombat, you're going to get Godzilla. Yeah. While I did enjoy watching those movies at home, it didn't have the same blockbuster feel as it does when opening night in the theater and things like that. And to an, to an extent, I don't think movie theaters have recovered completely from that. Because I've, I've been to movies, I want to say, as recently as a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. And when I go opening night now, it's almost... Unless, with the exception of probably the Batman, I don't think I've been to one opening night where the theater has been full. And and yeah. I live in Florida. I live in Florida, so you know, as you know, in Florida, they didn't care nothing about no pandemic. They had everything op- wide open. Oh, same here. Yeah, I'm in Florida too. Same here. No, agreed. And it was yeah, because I saw it's funny. Um, I saw Tenant. So if you remember in 2020, Tenant was the first blockbuster film that opened in theaters, and that was in the and that was in the height of the pandemic. And I went. That was one of the few movies I, I was able to go see because I was in Florida, because Christopher Nolan, the director, was insistent that that was not going to be. He was he was and he has that clout. Um, and yeah, there was there was three people in the theater with me and they were all separated. But yeah, I, I think um, I think you're right. I think what I did see, because I actually took my son to see Sonic the Hedgehog 2 this weekend is because he loves that movie. So that theater was actually sold out. OK, so I do think you're I think you're right. But what I do think is happening and this is where these big movies are very important because the Marvel films, the Batman, um, you, you've got Doctor Strange getting ready to come out. Thor just had a trailer that's getting ready to come out. These big movies are, are what's going to sustain and keep it. So that's why I, I am a big fan of them, because they're important for the business. Because if we don't have those big movies filling theaters, we're not going to have any room for any other kind of movie because there's going to be no theaters to show them in. And there's going to be no money to make those movies. So uh, for me, I, th- I feel like and like I said, you're right. It could be affected by the fact that I'm in Florida. I can't speak to other parts of the country. But I think I, I'm seeing that kind of happen with the bigger movies. But to your point, I think you're right. I think smaller films, and I think there's a lot of people that are still hesitant to go back to the theater that have stayed away because of the pandemic. But hopefully, I'm hoping that'll start to change with every movie, not just the real big movies that come out. But you see with Batman and with Spider-Man, that didn't seem to stop everybody. That it's making money hand over fist. And so I think that part of it, they've been able to kind of navigate around that because people just want to go to the movies and see, like you said, those movies – in a theater, not on HBO Max, even though the Batman's on there now, I'd rather see that in a movie. Because like I said, especially the Batman, uh, the music in that film, the the score is fantastic. That was one of the things that popped out on me when I watched that movie. The score is wonderful, unbelievable. I'm going to give them credit for that because I like what they did in terms of, hey, you're going to have your theatrical run, but it only was what, two, like a month and a half? Yeah. It was like beginning of March, let's call it. 
and now it's on HBO Max. And May, it can if I'm if I remember correctly, May is going to be on Blu-ray. I, I like that. I like that run up. Like, hey, let's get you in, so everybody who wants to go see it in the theaters can see it. And then get you an HBO Max, and then you get it on Blu-ray. I, I, it's a quick turnaround for it. I, I think that works for uh, particularly this movie. When they, because I remember when HBO Max first came out, they were like, "We're gonna get give you these movies day and date," and they kind of leaned away from that. But I think this is a solid alternative in terms of like, okay, you don't get to see the Batman day and date, but if you wait a month, you can watch it home at HBO Max. Yeah, no, I agree. I think they they've definitely shortened that window, and I think the 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 movie theater owners and the and the movie companies have come to a I think a an understanding because I think once when the pandemic first hit it was we've got the we've got the content we've got the streaming platforms to put it out there especially when they were trying to launch HBO Max that was a, and HBO Max had just launched so they had the they had the ability to get those movies out there day and date and I think and I think they all I think they all and I was I was hoping this was going to happen I think they both realized that it's in everybody's best interest that you have the movie theaters available with some exclusivity to show them for uh, at least a period of time and then move them over into the to the streaming and then to the Blu-ray platform. And I think they've, they're coming to that kind of happy medium where you get the sweet spot of theatrical release, the theater owners can make their money, and then people don't have to wait six, seven, eight months to see a big movie if they don't want to see it in the movie. So then you get the best of both worlds. So I think they're finally navigating that, and hopefully that'll be the way it is going forward so both we can go. So you have really a choice, which is great for the customer. I want to see it in the movies, or you know what? I'll wait to streaming, but either way, I'm going to get to see it pretty close to when it comes out. Do you think theaters are dying? Do you think it's going to come to a point where the movie theater experience and the movie going experience is going to be such a niche thing that you're probably going to like maybe find like one in the town or one or two in the town, if that? Yeah, uh, it, it, I'm concerned about it. I don't know what's going to happen, but I am definitely concerned about it. Like I said, as, as a person that loves going to the movies, and like I said, me, I don't even get to go as much as I'd like to go. So, and I'm a person that's pro movies, but I, I do think I'm concerned about it. I'm hopeful, like I said, I think hopefully the blockbusters will keep people coming out, but I don't know what that means long-term. And with the window shrinking between theatrical and streaming and, and Blu-ray, uh, yeah, I am concerned about it. I am concerned that you're gonna get to theaters where it's gonna be, like you said, super niche, where you get to a theater. I remember when I, I grew up in Tampa, so there's a, there a theater there that's still there called Tampa Theater. That's been there since the early 1900s, which is a cool place to see old movies. Uh, it's just an old school theater, like really old. And uh, I don't know if it's going to be a niche thing now. I think what they've tried to do, they make the experience almost kind of like it's weird because it's they're making the experience at the theater at home. You've got reclining leather seats. If you go to the right theater, you've got it's they almost make it like you're in your own man cave at the theater. So I think they're trying to make it because I think they understand that people's sound systems and and, and big screen TVs. I understand watching the movie at home is great, but I like you, Delvin, I agree. As much as I could have the biggest screen or the best sound system in my house, it's never going to be the theater. But that being said, kids are growing up watching movies on a little device, you know? So I think they would be more than happy to get rid of theaters and go, hey, I'll just watch it on my phone, man. I don't I don't need to pay, you know, $10, $15, $20, depending on where you live to go see a movie. I'll just watch it on my phone when it comes on HBO Max. So that does concern me because I think it is something that is a, that is a threat uh, to theaters. I agree. I, I think there's a a disconnect between the younger generation and movie theaters because if you look at it, like when we were coming up, going to the movies was a treat. Yeah. In terms of like, hey, 
this is a day out. We can go to the movie. Either you want to take your date there, you want to hang out with your boys to go to the movies and theaters and things like that and hang out at the mall. These kids don't really look at it like that. They're like, uh, I'll just wait till it, I can watch it at home. <laughs> like, I don't want to, I don't want to spend my money to go to the theaters. And I'll, I'll be it. It was probably like when we were growing up, it was like five, six dollars to see a, a movie. Yeah. And now yep. it's like five dollar Tuesdays. Yeah. It's, it's now, now it's like twenty dollars, fifteen, twenty dollars to see a movie per person. So it's a little bit more expensive. But at the same time, the movies is not. The, like not like the biggest place to go if you want to go hang out no more. Like they you know, like I said, there was yeah. a time where people would go to the movies weekly because it was just it was cheap. You go there get some popcorn, you go get there get some candy, you can make a day out of it. And if, if you were like my members of my family, they they definitely made a day out of it in terms of theater hopping and stuff like that. <laughs> theater hopping, yeah, yeah, that's the thing that yeah, it's funny you say that. I mean, I, I grew up in well, I was little in New York City, and it was easier to theater hop there for some reason. But this was back way back. I'm old, yeah. so this was like in the late '70s, and uh, yeah, theater hopping was fun. Yeah, you can watch yeah three movies for the price of one. Exactly. You, you, I remember that because you just spend the whole day in the theater and. They wouldn't yeah. care. They wouldn't care. Now it's now it's completely different because they have assigned seating and things like that. And right. These kids don't care. They're like, we don't we don't want to waste our time with that. We'll just watch it on our phone when it comes out. And if it doesn't come out, we don't care. They don't they don't have the same enthusiasm as we had watching movies. Yeah, and there's yeah, like you said, and there's there's so much other like it's a whole thing. This whole society is distracted, starting with your phones. So you know, back, you know, back when I went to the movies and when, when we were coming up, you know, there was, you know, that was even early cable. So there was like three or four channels. If you had cable, that was great. And then movies. So there, there wasn't really a lot of other things to do. So you would take a date or you would go with your boys or hang out. But when, now there's like five million things you can do. A lot of it just sitting in your own room, whether it's gaming or things that just weren't available back then for entertainment. And it's, there's just too many options. I agree. So. What are, what have been some of the best movies that you've seen this year so far? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I've been reviewing uh, running movies. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one out there that uh, I don't know if it did very well. Nightmare Alley, which is uh, Guillermo del Toro's last movie. It's a film noir with Bradley Cooper and Kate Blanchett. I'm gonna just put it. And it's on speaking of that, it's on HBO Max. I think it's on Hulu now too. So you can Nightmare watch it Alley? now. If you, uh, Nightmare Alley, yeah. So it's basically, I'll give you a quick synopsis. So um, Bradley Cooper plays this, this kind of drifter that ends up uh, joining a carnival. And he learns the ways kind of, of how to calm people, things like that. And that's how it starts. And then it becomes, he lives this carnival life. And it becomes a darker thriller as he, he finds a way to run a confidence game where he just steals, gets money from people. And uh, I don't want to give away too much, but it's really good. It's a good dark, if you like film noir, a darker type of film. Great actors in it. It's entertaining. It's visually uh, well done. Like I say, he directed. You know, he did. He did Blade Two. He directed uh, Shape of Water. Uh, that's one of the better ones I've seen this year. That's a really good one. And to go back to the Batman, um, I was skeptical of it because I'm like, do we need another Batman film? Uh, and I was pleasantly surprised what Matt Reeves did with Batman. With the Batman, I, I love the fact that they took the detective angle because that hasn't been done before in the movies. I agree. Uh, yeah, and I loved. I loved. Uh, Pattinson was good. Uh, I loved uh, I loved Zoe Kravitz and uh, and Colin Farrell as a penguin was a whole different way because my my penguin is Danny DeVito from Batman Returns, so for 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 him to play in a completely different way, so basically it was a it was a really good crime movie, uh, which 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 makes me compare it to the Dark Knight of the Christopher Nolan series, but it, it's it's really really good. It's one of the better films that I've seen this year. I really enjoyed it. Those are the top two off the top of my head uh, that are newer. 
Uh, but those, like I said, Nightmare Alley, I would put a put a shout out out there if you like that movie, because I know it, 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 it opened in the theaters, but I don't think it did it incredibly well. Uh, but I think it's very entertaining. Very good. I'm, I'm definitely going to check that one out. You said Guillermo del Toro did it, right? Yeah, Guillermo del Toro wrote and directed it. Yep. See, I, I, I like his movies. They're so unique and weird. Yeah. Like Pan's Labyrinth and things like that. Oh, you said it. You, I was just going to, you read my mind. That's <laughs> one of my favorite movies ever. That movie is so imaginative. It's dark. It's very dark. It's, it's very uh, dark. It's rough material, but it's so brilliantly done and the visuals are so brilliant. I agree with you 100% on that. Yep, absolutely. I definitely, I definitely want to check that one out. So, what's it been like with the transition to what you're doing now? Because you've been doing it for four years now with the, with the movie podcast and things like that. What has it been like doing that? Doing well, one doing it during a pandemic, where they're like, "Hey, you can't go see movies." Yeah. <laughs> and, and two, like, did you, how did you how did you adapt to that? Did you like let me just focus on Netflix movies? Let me focus on it. Amazon Prime movies a thing. Or let me just buy a whole <laughs> bunch of movies. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great question. That's an excellent question. So yeah, so like I said, I I, I transitioned just to movies only. Uh, about a year ago. So obviously that's a year after the pandemic started. The thing for me, which I think helps me have a smoother transition, because uh, I, I, my podcast was always movies new and old, which is why that's my tagline, because there are, for me, I'm, I knew I wasn't going to be able to see m- new movies every week that come out in the theater. I just, I, w- I wasn't going to be able to do it. So to, to, to make my podcast or, or advertise it as new movies only, I, I'd be putting out an episode every three months. So I knew there's so many movies I've seen in my life as a movie fam. That I'm like I and with and the thing of great that's great about streaming is I, I kind of skew towards older movies, movies that I love, movies that people love, and uh, and those are some of my more popular episodes because people, like you said, people connect through movies. Like if I were a review a film like Back to the Future, yeah, everybody's seen Back to the Future, but everybody everybody is nostalgic about movies like that and they like to talk about it. I'm an '80s kid, so I, I, a lot of my movies are from the '80s that I grew up loving when I was a teenager, from a little kid to a teenager. So for me, it was a smoother transition. And then I was able to, with the streaming day and date during the pandemic, I was able to sprinkle in new films that I was able to watch or when I could get to the theater. So it skewed heavily older. Now, more recently, I've been able to do a lot more new movies. And now that we're hopefully at the end of the pandemic, I can start seeing them more frequently. I'm about to see the, I'm going to see the new Nick Cage movie this weekend and review it. But again, for me, I, I love talking about old movies. And again, talking about movies that people maybe didn't know about never heard of or from an actor that they know but maybe a smaller film so that's for me it's been an easy transition because of, there's tens of thousands of movies that i can actually talk about and there's there's endless content there so for me it's always that's been the easier part of navigating this through the pandemic i have a fun question for you yeah since you mentioned that you like that you love the 80s movies because you're 80s kid mm-hmm. things like that give me one 80s movie that it's underrated and one that is overrated. Ooh, yeah. See, underrated. Let me start. Let me I'm trying to think of one that's overrated. Blade Runner. Ah, that's a, that's a pretty solid choice. I yeah, know Blade I, Runner is one of those movies you have to sit down and think about. Like, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Like, I love Ridley Scott, and I love I love other films that he's done. I watched Blade Runner a long time ago. I was actually going to review. I was going to do a rewatch because I've never reviewed it for the podcast. But I, when I watched it, I remember when I saw it, I'm like, it's boring. It's beautiful to look at. It's a it's a beautiful film. The cinematography, the production design, Harrison Ford. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to like about it. I just I found it empty to me. So and I know people love that film. I think it's one of the best sci fi movies ever made. I think it's overrated. So that's that's probably Blade Runner. for me. OK, 
So underrated, that's a good one. Underrated. You know what? I'm going to pick a genre. Oh, I know. Horror is not a genre I usually go to, but I talk about this movie a lot. So Wes Craven, who people know from Scream, Nightmare on Elm Street, Nightmare which is one of the... All right. I'm going to give you a Wes Craven movie from 1988, Serpent in the Rainbow. I think it's Ooh, highly underrated. I remember that movie. If you remember that movie, that movie was shot in Haiti. Yes. And starred Bill Pullman and a great African actor, Zax, Zykes Mackay, if I pronounce his name right. Uh, and it was about voodoo. And, very scary. Uh, very scary. Very good and very underrated. I think nobody saw that movie but me in the theater. Uh, and I'm not a horror movie fan per se. I like certain movies that are great. I like some of the classic ones. I don't go to it as a genre, but I love The Serpent in the Rainbow. So I would pick that one, underrated. I remember that movie. I remember it being scary as heck. Yep. One of those things, man, that you... Um, I saw it as a kid. I was probably like 10 or 11 when I saw that movie. But I would never forget like how it made me feel. Like, oh, this is creepy. Creep. That's a great word. And like I said, for me, the best horror movies are the ones that are disturbing. It doesn't have to be gory or or, or necessarily violent. Uh, and not, not that I don't have a problem because I love Halloween, the original John Carpenter Halloween slasher movie. I, I'm good with that too. But but the, the the ones that really creep me out, Serpent in the Rainbow, and the other one that's not underrated because I think a lot of people love it, horror is Hellraiser, uh, which came out in 87, Clive Barker. So that, I, that film is fantastic. I think it's original. It's truly scary. And uh, that's another great movie. Like I said, I, think, I don't think that one's so much underrated because people love that one. But definitely I would recommend people see Serpent in the Rainbow if they haven't seen it. Pinhead is one of the most visually terrifying characters, I think, in movie history. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And just the whole premise, it's a brilliant premise by Clive Barker. I mean, the the whole, you know, trying to reach the guy trying to regenerate himself and what he's willing to do, because that's what a lot of these horror movies have. What are you willing to do? So essentially you're selling your soul to get something that you want, that you're greedy for. And that's just a lot of these horror movies try to teach moral lessons where, and I think Hellraiser does it in a very brutal way. Like this is the price you're going to pay for getting what you want. And it's brutal. And it's, 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 it's well done. I love that movie. I, I agree. I definitely agree with that. So final question for you, sir. What are your plans for the future of your podcast? Like I said, you've adjusted pandemics over quote unquote, we're getting back. We're getting movies back in movie theaters again. What is it? What do you? What does the outlook look like for you and how you do things? For me, uh, it's the the biggest challenge for me in the four years that I've done the podcast. Uh, I've had challenges with with being consistent on getting product out. So when I first relaunched, my whole goal was to have a new episode every single week, and uh, I, I've had challenges doing that. I had some health challenges and time challenges, and then I've made a commitment over the last six months to make sure that I have an episode out every single Friday. So the, the long-term plan is to grow my audience through either the YouTube channel, listening on the audio feed, you know, being a guest on shows like yours is, is really to grow this podcast. Like I said, I, I would love, I would love, I would still do it if only one person listened, but I want to grow it. I want to engage people really just to have that engagement. Because like I said, even talking to you, talking to people about movies is great. And I, and I want more people to join that community. And I think your podcast has got a very good following and you have a community of people that are a fan of your podcast and what you do. So that's that's really what my goal is to do, like what you're doing, to get to have a community of people of like minded, you know, movie fans, people that like to listen to me and just have that community grow and just kind of enjoy that. That's really uh, my long term goal. OK, I like it. So with that being said, give the audience a 30 second pitch of what your show is and why they should listen. 
Thank you. Yep. So again, this is Let Me Bend Your Podcast. I discuss movies new and old. Each episode is about 20 to 25 minutes. So it's quick, quick bites. You can get in there. It's not a long rambling podcast. I fly solo most of the time. Sometimes I get some interviews, but I try to keep it engaged and keep it short. I think hopefully when you listen to it, you get my love of movies. Hopefully even talking to you, Delvin, uh, the, the, the people out there will see that I, I truly love movies. I think it's one of the best art forms that we've ever created. And it's something that I'm passionate about. It's something that I love to do. And I love sharing that, that love with other people. So that's, that's really what it's all about. It's really that simple. Uh, and hopefully people can share that love of movies with me and, and enjoy the ride on the podcast. I like that. Definitely, definitely, definitely. So let them know where to find you at, brother. Thank you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. That's where I engage the most, at Bend Your Ear Pod. That's also the handle for Instagram and Twitch. Uh, I have a YouTube channel. Just look up Let Me Bend Your Ear Podcast. So you can subscribe there and you'll get the shows. Like I said, I record live. Uh, and uh, that, that's the best places to find me. And then the website is LetMeBendYourEar.com. Every single episode is there. Perfect. Thank you for coming on, brother. And you're always welcome back on. I appreciate that. Thank you, Delvin. Thank you for inviting me on. I had a great time. No problem. And as always, Delvin Cox Experience, we are out. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Delvin Cox Experience. If you like more content, go on patreon.com slash the Delvin Cox Experience. There, there is more exclusive podcasts, including I'm the Podcaster, He's the DJ, that is the hip-hop podcast I do with Mr. Tim Hines, as well as the Boondocks, which is a Boondocks review show I do with my son, Delvin Jr. With that being said, I want to give a special shout-out to Patreon producers, Shirley Walker, Ghost Rider UK, and Mikey Famine. Thank you. God bless.